The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, you know, Lloyd, today our show is about inner conflict. And we know that in truth, all conflict stems from within. And when we can resolve our inner conflicts, then our outer conflicts are much easier to resolve. And we see the world differently. And we are having a guest today who I love dearly. Her name is Grace Avalon, and she has her first book out called Thank God I'm Crazy, A Journey to to, um, Sanity. I almost said senility. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, journey to sanity. And I want to tell you a little bit about Grace, and then you're going to hear her. But let me also tell you that we have Grace's beautiful picture. She's a gorgeous woman. We have her on our website at conflicthealing.com. And there also we have a bio about her, and we link to her website as well. And, of course, this interview will be linked there as well. So Grace Avalon is an educator, and she's been a businesswoman for nearly 30 years. She also studied psychosynthesis, a counseling program for the synthesis of body, mind, and spirit. And she counsels people and offers presentations and workshops, inspiring others to know about their inner voice, which she learned about and she expressed in this book. She also was raised in a fundamentalist Christian home with Christian beliefs. And then she, so she buried many of her secrets and her feelings for decades until she stumbled upon a message that she received in this book called A Course in Miracles. And it so touched her that she ended up in for the past seven years, she's been teaching The Course in Miracles, which is psychological spirituality. Um, at the In Spirit Center for Spiritual Living in Mission Viejo. And she's a wonderful teacher. And what's great about this new book, which I read and I very much enjoyed, um, Thank God I'm Crazy, A Journey to Sanity. It's been endorsed by Marianne Williamson, who is a New York Times bestselling author of Return to Love. And she is a teacher and um, also internationally renowned speaker, Lynn Andrews, who is also a New York Times and international bestseller. And she is the author of Medicine Woman. She also endorsed uh, this wonderful new book. And Gary Renard is an international bestselling author of Disappearance of the Universe. And he also endorsed this wonderful book, Thank God I'm Crazy. So 
We are really thrilled to have Grace on our show, and you can also, besides going to conflicthealing.com, you can go to Grace Avalon, that's G-R-A-C-E-A-V-A-L-O-N.com, and learn more about Grace and see her video, which she has a wonderful video up there, and see other things about her and her book. So thank you so much, Grace, for joining us this morning. Well, good morning, Mari. It's wonderful to be with you. Yes, and it's I always enjoy interviewing authors who I know because it's, it's such a special treat to be able to share their wonderful books. So let's talk a little bit about the personal challenges that that you talk about in your book, Thank God I'm Crazy. Well, yes, I, uh, I love what, how you began and you said that you know, we must deal with our inner challenges uh, in order to help our lives go more smoothly. Um, I, this was something that I had uh, experienced so much growing up. I was in an abusive childhood. And the personal challenges that caused me to write this book actually began uh, when I was 22 years old. I had entered an abusive marriage, and uh, one morning at 4 a.m., Six weeks after giving birth to my daughter, I had a very unusual experience. Um, I had euphoric visions that were in the midst of kaleidoscopic light, which held images of unfamiliar places. And it was, it was so blissful that I had a feeling of, like, coming home. And, and my reaction was to burst into gales of laughter, so my husband at the time, his reaction was to put me in a mental hospital in West Virginia where we lived. And um, so after nine days, I came out to see a world that now had become like the bad dream. Mm. It, you know, it seemed to me like the world was crazy and not me. Incredible. <laughs> And 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 as you go through your book, I love the way you go through the book, and you you have these awakenings and these new understandings. So, why did you choose this title? Thank God I'm crazy: a journey to sanity. <laughs> well, I chose the title. Thank God I'm crazy because, as it turned out, um, that time actually was a very fortunate beginning of what I call my own journey to sanity. But it was in a very unconventional way, something I, you know, never could have predicted. Uh, and there's a little bit of a story, if I may. Yes, please. <laughs> well, ten years after I had left that mental hospital and really thought I was crazy, um, I had an assignment uh, in a college art class to do multiple images of uh, one image. But when I began my my piece... Something took my brush, and I really can't explain how it happened, but suddenly I could see my own future in the painting, and I knew that it was not good. But even in that moment, I felt an unprecedented inner calm, a sense of inner knowing, and this inner voice, because somehow I knew that whatever had happened uh, was going to happen to me was meant to be and that it really was for the coming of my best good. So that was the beginning of my deep trust in something that I simply could not explain. But then how prophetic that experience became 16 years later 
when I had graduated from college and my old visions in the kaleidoscopic light that I'd had years ago actually began to happen in my life. And the places I saw in those earlier visions um, became like signs and um, symbols that led me back to being just broken open to profound mm-hmm. love. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess I could say to an uncommon trust in the unknown and to believing in what I recognize now as my own inner voice. Um, I began to understand that my happiness is revealed to me when I can learn to remove the walls from the past that I had carried with me. So one by one, over time, the symbolic events from my earlier visions led me back to my, through my past and to be broken open to profound love and, and just a really uncommon trust in the unknown and believing in, in that inner voice within me. And I was brought, oh my gosh, to so many crossroads, such as horrifying, panic-inducing dreams and memories of past lives, which actually impacted uh, deep confliction with my fundamentalist beliefs, which you mentioned earlier. And finally, um, it brought me to confrontation with my deeply blocked memory of an unimaginable childhood trauma, which I, of course, write about in Thank God I'm Crazy. But most of all, what I learned was to listen to my inner voice, which it, it guided me to choices that led me from a nightmarish existence to becoming what I call the creator of my own happy dream. And, you know, sometimes, you know, whether you call it your inner voice, your intuition, God speaking to you, the Christ Center, whatever you want to call that, that that inner voice, what's so sad is so many times we disregard it, don't we? We we don't, well, you don't, because you've learned to do it. But I know for me, whenever I haven't listened to my intuition or I haven't listened to that inner voice, it's always been a mistake. Exactly. And, and so, you know, I, I try to really listen, and I think that's the beauty of it, as you, as, you know, an artist, really, from within, you were able to, to get in touch with that at a young age, and then, you know, you kind of fought it. Your own inner conflict of fighting, like you said, with your fundamentalist Christian views were kind of an antithesis to that, weren't they? Well, they were, because they were loaded with guilt and sin and you know, sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I had to give that up in order to just be very simple and humble and listen. Yeah. And when you talk about symbols, you know, I mean, uh, many of us have dreams and we'll wake up and we'll say, wow, what was that all about? What were these symbols? What do they mean? <laughs> you know, and I think that's so incredible instead of disregarding those symbols is to really kind of sit down and meditate about what you know ask what do those symbols mean or before you go to sleep ask what you know what do those symbols mean reveal those to me i i think that is a really helpful thing you know you mentioned that the the whole world is crazy so why don't you give us some examples? Of course, I could give you plenty, too. But why don't you give us, from your perspective, what are some of those um, examples of, of the craziness in our world? Oh uh, Well, you know, I mean, if we really just stop and look around, we say, you know, life's not fair. Well, no, it's not. But there is a, there is a truth. There is a fairness. There is a love. There is God, which is real. 
And when I left that mental hospital, you know, strangely and paradoxically, I had such a profound feeling that that I was leaving sanity where I'd been in my visions. They were so euphoric. And, and of course, entering this insane world, which is filled with war and crimes against our own neighbors and violence and deceit and corruption, not to mention, you know, our, our betrayal of each other and abandonment and our personal abuse. Um, but what my inner voice, which had been awakened by my visions, began to show me is that only love is real, and it is real, and, and it's very real in the midst of this insanity. I eventually learned that love is all that matters, and I learned that when we try to make sense of an insane world, we're hopelessly lost in insanity. Mm. <laughs> but when I trusted my inner guide to lead me through love and forgiveness, that's when I found the peace, very much to my own surprise. And, you know, as the Bible says, I'm learning to walk in the world, but not of it. Yes. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an everyday ex- exploration. I'm an explorer in this world. And I learned that when I let go of defenses and see the true eternal essence of others, then forgiveness is the next logical step. Yeah. And, you know, to forgive is ultimately... It's really the only way to peace and joy. Yes. And you know, what my profession, that I deal with people in conflict all the time. Oh, I know. That's what I do for a living. And so, you know, I mean, these are the kinds of things that I try and help people understand. You know, the kinds of things that you talk about in your book and what you've learned is that, you know, on a, on a real simple level, everything that happens to us is really a lesson for us. It's, you know, we could look at it as bad, but look at what we learn from it, you know, or it's hard or it's challenging or it's scary or whatever it is that it leads us if we go with it and know that there is a greater outcome and that there is a greater reason for it. If we really believe that there's a greater reason for whatever pain you experience, for example, as a child in an abusive relationship or in your marriage, if you know that that was part of the evolution that that you wouldn't be who you are today without that, then it's 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 a it's a growth opportunity. And so when people come to me in terrible conflict and they're just hating where they are in their life, I just tell them this is your lesson. This is your growth opportunity. If you see it as the positive, it will be that positive. And then when you were talking about forgiveness, which we're going to talk about again, but if you don't forgive, you know you are chained to that person and that thing it's like it's your shackles you know it it hurts you more than it hurts the other person and that's the thing right let's talk a little bit about forgiveness okay first of all um i know you went through so much how can you you know how is it that you came to forgive even when you were victimized and i know you were victimized by not only your husband but your family and everything so how, how did you do that well uh you know, ultimately, it's just like you were saying, there really isn't any other choice than to forgive. Once we realize that our goal is to be happy, and once we set that as our own priority, and, and it's been said that um, to not forgive is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so if I don't forgive, I'm the miserable. And, I, you know, I realize that. Now, that's coming from a self-perspective. 
But, um, and, and, you know, the other person just goes on with their life. But forgiveness is it's a law. It's a law of love. And it's just the way, it's important to notice that this is just the way that it is. One can even say that this law of love is like knowing that you're going to be shocked if you stick your finger into a life socket. And we have to ask why that is. Well, it's because by seeing the good in each other, and no matter how hidden it may be, is to give love at the same time, and we will receive love at the same time. Yes. And I remember um, a minister that I had at Unity uh, used to say, when you forgive, you give up. You give up all of the nastiness, all of the bad feelings that you have it, that eat you alive. You know, you give, you, when you forgive, you give for yourself. And I thought that was always really helpful that you sometimes, and people might be listening to this and say, I can't forgive my mother for that, or I can't forgive my spouse for doing that, or I can't forgive them. You know, if you can't forgive, it, it just, it just, hurts you so badly you just are taken down by it you know I remember when I had to really forgive my ex-spouse that people think well I don't ever want to forget well you know you don't forget you don't forget because if you forget then you might allow yourself to get into that same kind of relationship you don't forget it but you look at it differently like oh I did that and I don't want to do that again but I forgive that person because they were doing the best they could with the tools that they had. But I surely won't forget certain things that happened because I never want to repeat that again. <laughs> That's right. It's like, you know, if we don't forgive, it's like turning the knife in the wound. Yeah. That we've stuck in ourselves, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's just um, we ultimately, what stops us from forgiving is that our pride is our pride. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what we call our ego, but mostly it's when we don't realize that we're coming from a position of being a victim. And until we take our own power and we recognize that we're the only one that's making ourselves victims, then we can't allow joy to fill that space or that hole that we've created within ourselves. Yes, yes. And so when we, when you know, I, I remember so many times having to say to clients, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy, right? <laughs> you know, and that's that's really it. That's kind of what you're saying, that um, it's your ego that says, I won't forgive because that that way I don't ever give them the satisfaction of forgiving. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. They, or they'll say, I don't want to let that guy off the hook. Or, you know what I mean? I don't want to ever let her off the hook. Well, you know, she is off the hook or he is off the hook. They're moving on with their lives. They're having fun in their lives. And, and you're, you're the one that's hooked, right? Right. And like you said, you know, we don't, we learn. We learn from our experiences, but the next step is to let go. Let go and remember the lesson. That's all. Yeah. Not the person. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be mad at the person because, you know, I mean, truthfully, if you think about it, when you were talking about love, that we're all made of love, we're all really human beings having a, you know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience or whatever it is, we're all doing the best we can with what we know, with our experiences. So we can forgive that, um, but we, we don't have to forgive the behavior, but we can forgive the person, right? 
because the behavior is the kind of thing that we don't want to engage in again. Yes, yes. And, you know, really, if we look deeply, there's always goodness within everyone. Um, And by nurturing that, we're giving them a gift. Yes, yes. And and while we're giving the gift, we're receiving the gift. (laughs) Yes, yes. You know, um, people who really do forgive horrible things, like someone who's killed your child or something like that, that it just seems like it's unforgivable, that that when they do that, it really can change the other person who did the bad deed, too. Yeah. And even it, that doesn't have to be your primary goal to change them because you can't. Right. But indeed, when you really let it go, then that it shifts the energy, doesn't it, Grace? Mm-hmm. It does, and that person may never verbalize it, but something has shifted, and um, you've given them a gift whether it's ever confirmed or not. Yes. So after all these years, why is it that you wrote this book? I mean, you went through these challenges for many years, and you've been teaching now the the Course in Miracles, which I know you're a wonderful teacher. So what is it that made you decide to write the book? Well, um, boy, well, <laughs> for so many years, I thought people would think I was crazy if I told them all that had happened to me. And I journaled for over 20 years, uh, watching all of these symbols, I, I began to call them, these visions I'd seen in the mental hospital, come into my life. And, and then I stumbled across a beautiful modern-day spiritual philosophy, which you've already mentioned, which is entitled A Course in Miracles. And it also refers to life as being a dream or an insane illusion. So I thought, oh, my God, I think I've just received my certificate to sanity. (laughs) But, but of course, in Miracles emphasizes, as I was also very gratefully discovering, that life might be an illusion, but we are real. And what happens on our journey is all that matters. And no matter what we call life, whether we call it an illusion or a classroom, as Gary Zukoff has called it, or a stage, as Shakespeare declared, what I've learned and what A Course in Miracles teaches is that we are real and what we do know in our impermanent bodies is that we're all on a journey together somewhere. So what I, um, I've i learned in, in A Course in Miracles is that happiness comes when we shift our perception to see, and it sounds so simple, but it's not simple to do it. But if we can see through love, and forgiveness, and to recognize and release and even forgive ourselves for our own fear-based decisions. And you know, it sounds corny, but it's true. It's just simple, but it takes a lot of practice. Yeah, and I remember when when I was in college, you know, I uh, I speak Spanish fluently, and I was studying Spanish, and there is a Spanish philosopher Miguel de Unamuno, and he wrote this book called La Vida es Sueño, means life is a dream, and <laughs> and it's a great, great, great novel. And it's um, life is a dream, and dreams are dreams. He says, you know, life is a dream, and dreams are dreams. And when you really start to th- you know get centered, like you were talking about, you start to realize that everything that is happening to you really is a dream, and and you wonder. You know, is everybody around me really just part of my dream? 
<laughs> you know, and and does it really matter? I mean, this is this is the stage. You know, this is yeah. the stage. This is we're here to learn. This is school. This is university. You know, life university or whatever you want to call it. And when we get to that point, and we remember that, and we say, okay, well, what? Wh- and be curious about everything that happens to us. Like, okay. Um, if everything is really a dream and, and what am I supposed to learn and I'm supposed to learn love and I'm supposed to let go of fear and all these things. I mean, like you said, it sounds so easy and it is such a challenge. Why is it such a challenge? I don't know why. <laughs> Letting go of love and fear. Well, you know, we, we tend to see life as opposition. And and once we can just let, you know, there's that... that um, we talk about meditation, yeah, and um, we find we want to find that inner voice because that's where our peace is. Right. And we find that inner voice by learning how to be where we can authentically let the world go by. And you know, we're real. Everyone else might be an illusion, might be, but but even in those that illusion. There is something real in them. There's something real in you and I, and and that we we are the observer. We are the observer of ourselves. So so much attention is placed upon meditation, and of course that's a good thing. But the essence of what we're seeking in meditation, whether we go to ashrams or sit up in bed in the morning, we want to be ultimately and intimately um, to discover our own personal connection with our source, whatever one wants to call it. Right. And it's like finally discovering your own inner hiding place in your, in your own little treehouse when you're a kid, you know, or a spot on the river to fish where nobody goes, or a cove at the ocean where no one feels, where you can feel just one, you know, with the source. But, you know, once we've made that connection and we continue to go to it, it grows each time that we give it our attention. And just as Deepak Chopra has said, we can learn to go to that peaceful clarity even in an airport. Yes. And, you know, and I'm thinking here we are sitting on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, and all these young people are, you know, using every kind of, uh, you know, device, you know, with information overloading everywhere, whether they've got their iPad or their smartphone or, or whatever it is, we are all just inundated with information and and i'm one of them whether and you know whether you're checking you know uh your your uh, facebook or whatever social networking or you're texting or you're emailing or you're you know facetiming or whatever it's like when do we have that time to get into that centered place to find out who we really are and i and i worry about that with the with all of the technical, you know, all of the devices that we have. I just worry a little bit. I mean, I don't want to put everything back. I love technology, but I just really worry about that. I know. I feel as if, you know, how as a collective consciousness and particularly as a society now, we go through stages and we, we're sort of like, you know, in elementary school and then primary school, and then eventually we begin to recognize because we're hungry for peace, 
whether we face that or not. Right now we're being distracted. Yes. And, you know, I'm also one. I have an iPhone and I love, you know, all of that. But what I find is that hunger because I have found that place within me. And once I get out there, I find that hunger. And, and, and I think the other thing is that when we're staring into an iPhone while we're walking or we're watching a screen, you know, a large percentage of the day, we're not looking around us. Yes. And, you know, what helped me was the symbols. Um, looking around and letting nature speak to me, letting the creations of love speak to me. And uh, so... That's a beautiful way to end. Would you believe that we are just out of time? So, yeah, so whether we, I, and I too, I love my smartphone and I'm on this, but, but you know, I take my dog for a walk and I look at the ocean and I look at the palm trees and I look at all those things and I just remember where I am. But thank you so much, Grace. Avalon is the author of this wonderful book called Thank God I'm Crazy, A Journey to Sanity. And why don't you just give your website and it's time to go, Grace. Oh, all right. It's graceavalon.com, and I'll be doing a workshop coming up entitled Greet Your Inner Guide and Claim Your Joy. Go to my website for the details. Right, and if anybody lives in Orange County and wants to go on Monday nights to hear more about The Course in Miracles, that's that's exactly what Grace teaches every Monday night at the Inspirit Center in Mishavihejo. So thank you so much. And Grace, we will see you soon. We love you. Oh, I love you, Mari. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI. And also visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. It's about trust. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.